Welcome to Tech Live. Stephanie Christopher here, CEO of the Executive Connection. We connect leaders with a trusted network of people who help them succeed. My guest today is Ross Sardi, the CEO of First Focus. Ross helps people to use technology to make a difference, and First Focus is the industry leader in mid-market managed IT services. So Ross himself has 20 years of experience in managed IT services and consulting across small to mid-sized businesses, government, and education. And Ross has a background as a small business owner for 10 years and then moved into the corporate world. I know Ross is passionate about continually improving the use of technology. And at the moment, there's a particular focus on cybersecurity. Ross told me earlier that at the moment, they're working with 400 businesses on dealing with cybersecurity. Ross Sardi, welcome to Tech Live. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. I feel like this is a present for our listeners who are all having to deal with cybersecurity in one form or another right now. And if, like me, they're a leader of a mid-sized business, they're reporting to their board on what are you doing about cybersecurity. So what I'm looking forward to in this conversation with you, Ross, which I've had with you before, is I know we can be practical and give people an idea on where do they start right now. But first of all, what are you seeing with your 400 businesses? It's been an interesting few years, really, because it's, you know, the last time we were kind of out having conversations like this, the world was a little bit different. And COVID kind of provided, I think, the uh, cyber criminal organizations a, a bit of a, uh, an extra kick to, to do a lot because all of a sudden technology just became a lot more embedded with a whole heap of businesses. So, yeah. you know, the last six months, we've seen it massively in the media through a couple of really big, high profile breaches. But really, that's just a evidence of what's already been happening for a few years to small businesses. It's just that we don't tend to make the news as much, right? So, no, we don't. Yeah. We don't, thankfully. So what I'm seeing more and more is that this idea we've been talking about for a while where it's it's not a matter of if you're going to have an incident or if you're going to have a data breach of some sort, it is when. Mm. Uh, and it's just a case of being being prepared, understanding what you can do to minimise it but then, you know, having everything in place so that you're, you're keeping your data and your customers and your own information really, really secure. So before we get to prevention, what do you do when you get a call from one of your clients saying, we've been breached? What does it look like? Yeah, that's, look, it's a great question and it doesn't look like one thing. Yeah. It's, it, there is a lot of different scenarios that are covered in this broad thing we call cybersecurity now, and it's kind of become a case of anything that's used, a computer's used somehow in some sort of release of information is now covered under cybersecurity, right? Yeah. So it is a lot broader than people probably give it credit for, mm. uh, and it's a very new thing. So people are even trying to still understand what it is. But if a customer is very mature on that journey of, you know, protecting their, their environment, um, then the call or the, or the alert we might get on our side is very different from someone that says it's already happened. Yeah. Um, and so there's a lot of systems in place that can help us with early detection. Mm. But, you know, whether it's through an email compromise or account compromise or sometimes already being locked out, if you, know, if you, if you really don't have anything in place, uh, it, it's, yeah, the, the severity of the actual incident can vary massively. And so when you pick up, an attempt 
an attempted breach. How, how do you see that? A lot of it comes down to having the right technology in place to start with, but also the right um, uh, education around people because yeah. the human firewall, we call it, that's actually mm -hmm. the most important piece here. You can buy software and systems and technology and you can do all that kind of stuff which minimises it, but there's usually a human element somewhere along yeah. that journey. Well, there was even in one of the really big yeah. health insurance, it was a human. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, you know, majority of times I've just was uh, recently went through the architecture of how the big, was a big Uber uh, incident happened a little while ago. Mm. And again, it was very similar, needed social engineering to kind of get past certain part of that attack process, mm. which technology wouldn't have been able to solve. So, you know, human education, human awareness. Yeah ultimately is, is part of most most compromises uh, somewhere along the journey. And even if it's back to an account that was stolen to start with prior, which then someone else bought to then use in an attack, again, someone at some point gave someone their credentials. Yeah. Uh, and and that, that that's a really big piece of it. You know, you can protect against that in various ways, but the best prevention is the people element. I have never heard that term and I love it, the human firewall. It's really good. Yeah, it's underestimated. And it's a continual process. It's not like, cool, I've learned about cybersecurity, now I'm done. Or you know, same on technology side, it's not something you implement and then yeah. you can walk away and you're finished. Uh, it's a continual process. And education, just like we learn about a whole heap of things, cybersecurity, you don't finish learning about it. And, yeah. and it, it evolves very quickly. You know, six or seven years ago, we probably didn't even really talk about it at all. No. We had antivirus on our computer maybe and we thought we were, we yeah. were, we were good, we were yeah. protected. The world's moved a long way since then. Yeah. Um, more and more things are connected, uh, which is obviously increases your risk. But I don't think humans have kept up with that. So, okay, so back to the different kinds of uh, crises yeah. that your clients would phone you about. So say it's someone uh, that has had an attempted breach, what would you do then? I will probably separate that into two scenarios. One is when we get a call sometimes from a client that, that isn't a client of ours and, and it's already yeah. happened. Yeah. Um, and, and in those cases where they might be com completely down, they have nothing, you really need to, you know, separate themselves from, from the rest of the world, essentially cut everything off and yeah. you have to assess piece by piece what's actually happened. There's a downside here where the longer you take to try and understand what's happened, the longer it's going to take you to get back up. And so yeah. generally what you try and do at the same time is, you start recovering from backups. And that's that's ultimately everyone's insurance policy. And I don't think people take that serious enough as being part of cybersecurity. Like backups are your insurance policy. Mm. It means that even if something's happened, something's been compromised, you can get back up and running. Mm. You've still got a whole heap of things you need to handle, like, you know, maybe the release of data and mm. stuff like that. But backups are critical. Uh, and you'll be surprised how many companies still might have backups or doing backups, but they haven't actually tested them in anger. Uh, and so, uh, you know, it's not uncommon. I've seen three, four weeks sort of timeframes for people to ha be able to get up and running because they thought they were doing their backups, uh, but they just never actually tried to restore them. So this that's a big issue. This is one of those podcast conversations where I feel like saying, I've got to go. <laughs> I have to go and phone some people and check we're backing up. It used to be such a big thing. I'm thinking of my husband's small business from years ago and the backup took all night. Yeah. It was a big deal. Yeah. And if the backup takes all night, think about how long the restore takes, right? And our, the amount of data we've got is just increasing. Yeah. 
Our backups are often going to the cloud somewhere. We don't know. We're relying on someone else that they're doing that and it's check, they're checking it. Too many times it's not well checked in the sense that what happens when I actually try and run from this data in the future. Uh, and so the time it can take to either get that data back down from the cloud or spin it up somewhere is, is really high. So that that's, that's one of the um, issues. Mm. The other issue is, uh, as I said, if, if you've had a breach and actually some data has been compromised or some customers have been impacted, you really need to have had a good response plan in place beforehand because you don't want to be thinking about that on the fly when it's yeah. when it when that happens. And you've also got things like cyber insurance companies and other things that will want you to follow certain tasks, I guess, to make sure that, you know, you can make a claim because, you know, these days most insurance policies will have some sort of cyber element to them yep. uh, and they'll need to be included really early as well. Okay. And then tell me about the response plan that you're talking about, a communication strategy or... Yeah, communication strategy is, is, a, is a big part. Uh, assigning roles or owners within the business to own certain parts. You don't want the ones needing to worry about, you know, restoring, getting your own environment back up to the same people sort of worrying about your customers. Um, it, it'll be involved things like the, the cyber insurance. It'll involve who you need to communicate is it internally, externally. It could be particular... Uh, governing bodies, or you might have a notifiable data breach, right? Mm. You have to be aware of what constitutes notifiable data breach. And that's changing a lot at the moment with this, uh, you know, mm. the big ones that have occurred, mm. they're talking about changing mm. legislation. And it's probably one of the things Australia hasn't been great at in the past is great legislation. We're a little bit behind, you know, Europe and and even the US in, in these areas where we kind of know what we mm. need to report, but not many actually happen and they haven't really been able to actually take many of those to prosecute or do anything with them. Like we're actually really behind when it comes to legislation in this space. Okay, so let me summarise so far because there's great stuff here. Human firewall, and we'll get back to that. Backup, 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 backup. Everyone go and check right now that you're backing up data in a way that if you had to operate on that data you could. Check your insurance policy because if something happens, if there's a breach, like anything, you need to notify the insurer and they're going to expect certain steps from you. And then I love that obvious point. It's also kind of practical. Have different people who are responsible for getting you up and running again different from those who are communicating with your customers and, and managing that uh, responsiveness. So let's get into what we can all be doing now. There's there's a few things there now. But how can you mid-sized business really build a moat or make themselves as as protected as they can? Because as you said, it's not if, it's when, and it's probably already in some form or another. But what's the best thing that businesses can do? We like to take it back to there's some established frameworks you can use that, that help you with this. Otherwise, you, you know, you're starting with a blank piece of paper. It makes it really hard. So some people would have heard of the, the Essential 8. There's Australian Cybersecurity Centre have the Essential 8, which provides a bit of framework for some key things you need to do in your business. They have sort of four maturity levels now that show you sort of your progression through each of those. They provide some really good basics uh, and they're very technical in nature. Generally, you'd be handing these things to a, you know, an IT company or someone else to actually implement yeah. for you. 
I've seen increasingly the government is mandating this with their own departments and then with people that are doing business mm. with those departments. And so you're starting to see this trickle-down effect now around people that have to be compliant with the essential aid. We tend to go a little bit further than that and use uh, what they call the NIST framework, mm. which is a US uh, framework, and that goes more than just or focuses more on more than just the technology. So we talk about the first function being to identify, uh, and that's around you know identifying your data, your assets, and if you haven't done that, it's really hard to know what to protect, mm. what to look at, what you know where, where the detection might might need to be, uh, and what your response planning and recovery planning will need to be. So it all comes back to identifying first. And it's interesting with the latest couple of you know high, high profile breaches with Optus and, and Medibank, it's made a few customers go back and go, where is my data? Yeah. Uh, where is it? Where might I have some stuff that I've? Uh, the Optus one was interesting because. I think people were surprised when they've got my passport from 12 years ago. Yeah. And then other businesses started thinking about what might we have sitting on a on a yeah. network drive somewhere from yeah. 12 years ago, right? And, yeah. you know, conversations that are happening around, you know, if I'm a, like the, the, the property management is an interesting one where you're giving all this information every time you apply for a rental. Mm. Uh, we don't really think about where that information goes after that and, they're probably not thinking about what they're doing with that information after that. So identifying data, what you need, what you need to keep, what you don't need to keep, mm. um, because that's a good way to reduce your risk if you don't need to keep that critical stuff. But every business has critical data that you need to know where it is. Passwords is such a simple thing, right? And yet how many businesses have good password management internally mm. for, uh, you know, all this sort of business, business mm. systems? Mm. Do you know, it's interesting that about, data that people have on you. I went to a club yesterday for lunch. Yep. It was a nice one and I wasn't gambling. And they took my driver's licence. I said, what are you doing with this driver's licence? Oh, don't worry, we're just scanning it. But it spat out something with my signature on it because I'd been there before. And I thought, yeah, right, you're not keeping it. <laughs> Obviously you're doing more than scanning it, they're storing it. So as a consumer... I think we're becoming better educated after those two huge breaches on why do these people need this information on me? They don't need my driver's licence. It's mm. irrelevant. Yeah. yeah. And I think Europe's kind of the shining example mm. when it comes to this kind of uh, this kind of thing and that's why I don't know if we'll go completely down that path here but this idea of the right to kind of have your digital footprint or be still own your digital footprint wherever it goes and you, you can sort of request removal from their systems and, you know, you own your data no matter where it lives, this kind of right to be forgotten on, yeah, on systems. Yeah, you said that to me. I love yeah. it. The right to be forgotten, Yeah, which means just because I operated with you or visited your club five years ago, you don't get to remember me or, or whatever, whoever I'm engaging with. That's what that means, doesn't it? That's right. And everyone's risk appetite is different and same as businesses, right? Every yeah. every business has a different appetite for how much risk they're willing to, to kind of take on. Uh, and that's the same with your own personal data. There's a, you know, we were having a conversation just earlier about, oh, it doesn't matter. People have got my data now. I just yeah. have to kind of live with it. And maybe that's, maybe that is okay to yeah. a certain extent. Yeah. Uh, we just now need to accommodate our other things that we do, knowing that people might have this data. So I can't use that to be my sole source of identification because it's not a secure anymore. Yes. Right. And so that other things evolve to accommodate for that. So you know, as as uh, some data becomes more easily you know, replicated or mm. easily stolen, then other things evolve to, to, to allow for that, I guess. Yes. 
Yes, that's interesting. So you were saying about step one is what data are you capturing and where is it? Because it sure surely won't be one place. No, and we often rely on so many. Um, our supply chain is huge. We, when we actually yeah. think about how many other businesses we rely on in yeah. our own business, yeah. how much of our data do they have? Mm. Am I putting my information in a system that's actually run by someone else? Mm. Um, it's pretty intricate. Like if you actually look at supply chain um, and that's where a lot of the focus, uh, the Australian Essential 8 doesn't talk about supply chain really yeah. much at all. So NIST is NIST, more fun. Yeah, and so supply chain is, is, is becoming a really big thing where, and that's why seeing, you know, not only do I need to be secure, my customers also expect my suppliers to be secure yeah. because, you know, and, and you have this huge network of, of reliance on each other. Mm. So I'm thinking about, you know, when there's an assumption, I th- was yeah, I'm sure you told me about this, that assume that the um, organised gangs of criminal hackers are going to keep going after big companies because that's a richer prize. So if one of your, in your supply chain, you're working with big organisations, big CRM companies, mm. and you can run health checks and they say, no, you're, you're safe because you're, you're on 93%, so that's great. Your data's very safe. How can you deal with that? Because as a um, as someone using these organisations as a supplier, you have no agency in how protected they are. Yeah. How does a small business or a mid-sized business deal with that? Yeah, and I, I'm... I could almost guarantee that no one's actually read all the terms and conditions that come along with it. How many times do you Not actually? Not me, Ross. Right? right? Yeah. Uh, so we don't really understand what they're putting on us, what they're willing to sort yeah. of say is their responsibility. And and they're probably located in some other jurisdiction anyway, totally. right? So it's not, yeah. you know, although some of the bigger ones, one of the things that, that is important, uh, you know, if you talk about Microsoft and Amazon and Google, yeah. all the big cloud providers, it's really important to understand that you running on the Australian tenancy versus a, a, another one in another country. And that's that can be a really big thing to understand. Okay, I'm using a big international company. Mm. Where's my data? Mm. Is it sitting in the US? Is it sitting in, mm. you know, is, or is it sitting in Australia? And that's that's become a really big thing to, to consider. So outside of where's my where are they storing my data, the question then becomes, are they backing up that? Are they actually responsible for the backup of that data mm. or do I need to be? Mm. And so now there's a whole bunch of other third-party applications that allow you to back up cloud applications because it's actually not on them. Generally yeah. in the terms and conditions, they'll say something about, well, if you if, if the data is lost, it's it's kind it's, of, it's not on us. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we were talking about backups before. We think about that kind of in an old school, yeah. idea, you know, is my server in the corner backed yeah. up? Or are you backing up data that's in the cloud? So, you know, I might be using Xero for my financials. I might be using Microsoft for some stuff. Am I backing up those things or am I just assuming the vendor is? So backing up... Uh, data that's in the cloud is going to need another system. Generally, yeah. So that's that's a that's a big one. Um, that allows you to recover from a, a loss. Mm. It obviously doesn't prevent a breach. No. Um, and like you said, you you can't really prevent. Yeah, you're powerless to pre- prevent yeah. a, a breach on these systems. Uh, and so you then just need to be aware. Uh, and have your response planning in place to understand what you need to do if you can. But as you said, you, there's, there's some level you are putting that into someone else's hands. Uh, and that's why I was just over in the US recently and they are a little bit 
behind us in terms of adoption to the cloud mm. because the mindset in the US is I want to, you know, control all my data a bit, whereas we very much are more trusting mm. uh, and we don't mind going and putting data in the cloud, which is, I said, it's, it's a good thing because having data in your own thing, in your own server, in your own premise, uh, just introduces different risks, not no risks, it's just mm. different risks. Mm. Boy, there's there's a lot here. Do you distinguish between cybersecurity and information security? I personally don't. It, it's, a, it's a very broad umbrella, like, like we said, uh, and there's a whole stream of cybersecurity, GRC, so governance, risk, compliance, which is really very separate from the technology as yeah. well. And so you are leaning more and more into business process and, and risk management and, and so there's – but that's still cybersecurity. Yeah. So it's broad and it's and it's not well defined. And you probably, if you ask a bunch of people, you'll probably get a different answer. Well, absolutely, because what I'm thinking about, and then we're moving into behavioural then about privacy mm. and how you store or handle confidential information internally. I'm thinking about in my case, my my team's case, and where it is and who has access to it and how it's spoken about and you're right, it's part of the broad umbrella of cybersecurity. I just wondered if it's something you see differently. Yeah, I, the best example for this, I've, I've talked about this a couple of times with, with people, is when we uh, used to go to the doctor, yeah. they would write down some stuff, they'd put it in a folder and they'd put it in a filing cabinet somewhere in their office and we assumed they locked the door at night, yeah. we assumed they had the alarm system, we assumed they'd let us know if someone broke in and stole that stuff. Yeah. Now suddenly that's stored on a computer system somewhere. It's now cybersecurity. Yeah. Uh, but ultimately, it's you know not much has changed in the actual business process behind it. Yeah. What's changed is where that data is stored yeah. and can now be stolen from from Russia or from China or from somewhere and else. Right. Instead you don't, of someone breaking into the yeah. Warlga GP practice, exactly. And stealing my saying I had chicken pox when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah. that's right. And and I can steal a million at a time, right? Because yeah. like if I do a breach, in, in a, there's probably yeah. way better protected now than it ever was before. Yeah. But the scale of a breach now is a lot bigger it's than it was bigger. before. But that's an example of I guess something that was. I mean, who managed that before? It wasn't really. It wasn't even a term for that. It was no. just we just assumed it was just common sense. We assumed we were protecting stuff. Yeah. Now that it's on a computer, it's kind of under this umbrella of cybersecurity, um, and we don't like who is actually responsible. It's pretty unclear. Yeah. Plenty of businesses have probably just assume their IT company is just that. Oh yeah, it's their job because it's on a computer. But someone internally ultimately still needs to be responsible for that. It's, it's really interesting. Can we just talk about um, training staff? And you've you've you know highlighted that needs to be ongoing. Mm. Where do you, where do you get access to what training's appropriate, and what are you training them on? I think, like we would if there was changes to accounting, you know, tax law, or HR law, you know, any, anything, yeah. anytime there's stuff that changes. We generally bring in the experts. We we know that we don't just do our own tax return. We yeah. use an accountant, you know. Yeah. So we ultimately you do need expertise, mm. but there are a whole heap of things that you can DIY in that space as well, right? Mm. So I think that education for staff starts by kind of understanding what it is that people do day to day that can be impacted, and there's plenty of material that that you can use in, inside your business for that. Which brings me to my final point 
because we have actually partnered uh, with our partner company, Build Academy, to create a cybersecurity business accelerator, which is five actions that you can take in five days, if you're thorough about it, uh, to really get a handle on the fundamentals of cybersecurity. And you've uh, this includes videos on you talking through each of the actions. Yeah. Where would that accelerator fit into a business? So we talked about a couple of the concepts that are in that series today. So yeah. it's starting with the identification. And I think that that is something that I would strongly recommend it, business owners and their management teams, that's the first, pl- they're the first ones that need to properly understand that before you can delegate it to somebody yes. else. So whoever, you know, is wearing any sort of hat where they own a function, a system, managing other people, uh, it doesn't really matter. It's some core basics that should really be rolled out throughout the business. It's not, you know, one person in the business is all it takes. Yeah. It doesn't matter. And so whether you're the the owner, the CEO, or whether you're, you know, the most junior person that started last week, it's really important to make sure you're all on the same page with this stuff. So helpful. And we will put a link to that Build Academy Cybersecurity Accelerator in um, to the notes with this podcast. So, Ross, such interesting themes today. Backup is just glaring at me like a flashing red light. I'm sure it's fine and I'm going to check. Um, making sure that you really have that um, human firewall as solid as you can and the upskilling and training is critical. And then it comes down to what you're collecting, why you're collecting it and how you're locking it in that metaphorical filing cabinet every single day. That was so helpful um, and so timely. And Ross Sadi, thank you very much for your time. Thanks a lot. Enjoyed being here. So that's Tech Live for today. CEOs are in the business of making decisions and leadership is the art of execution. I'm Stephanie Christopher and look forward to talking to you next time.